other aspects that I think has been really important in, in my development is learning to be adaptable as a leader. Leadership is about understanding your team of people that you're leading. And the first job for me was always to get to know those people, understand why they're there, what makes them tick. And, and I think that carries through into the business environment in that the first thing is to try and understand them as a person. morning, good afternoon and good evening everybody. This is Ben Morton and a very warm welcome to season six of the podcast. And we have got some incredible interviews coming up with some exceptional leaders from a diverse range of businesses. And as always, we'll be mixing it up a little bit by bringing you some conversations with real subject matter experts and thought leaders in specific facets of leadership all designed to help you be the very best leader that you can possibly be on your journey from good to great. And we're kicking off season six with Adam Hickman, who is the managing director and co-founder of Med Rescue. Adam started his career as an expedition guide and leader and a remote medic, leading groups of adults and young people to some of the remotest and most challenging corners of the world. Adam's ambitions then naturally led him into a series of management and leadership roles before he moved to Dubai as the Middle East Director for World Challenge Expeditions, part of the TUI Travel Group. He then moved back to the UK to become the Operations Director for the adventure travel group Chameleon Worldwide. Then he specialised as a consultant in travel risk and crisis management. And after this, in 2018, he then established Med Rescue, which is where we pick up the story in this episode of the show. My conversation with Adam focused largely on managing risk, plus some of the challenges that he experienced when he moved from being a senior leader within a business to being the managing director of the one he owns. But before we get into this episode, folks, please do take a minute to visit my website, www.ben-morton.com, where you can subscribe to my newsletter to get a two-weekly roundup of the latest podcast episodes, plus loads of additional leadership development resources for you. Now, though, and without any further delay, let's get into this week's episode. Adam, a very warm welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. And how are you? Uh, hi, Ben. Absolute pleasure to join you. Very well, thank you. Cool. I haven't been asking this question to kick the podcast off lately, but do you want to just tell us, I guess, who you are, what you do, and a little bit about MedRescue? So, yeah, my name's Adam Hickman. I get asked this quite a lot, and it's always a tricky one to answer because it's not a, uh, a commonly known industry that, that we work in, MedRescue. So MedRescue is an international medical assistance company. The simplest way to explain what we do is we provide support to people who are traveling overseas, whether that be for work or for pleasure. And then if, if those people become either sick or injured or require medical support whilst away, then we become involved to you know, 
look at what's wrong, where they are, are they getting the appropriate treatment, and ultimately give advice to our clients who are ultimately often insurance companies as to the best course of action to provide the support to that person. So we're an industry that a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I never really thought about who did that or I've had an experience myself where we had to make an insurance claim. I guess what makes MedRescue a little bit different is that we are we're a relatively small business for the medical assistance industry and we're quite specialist in the types of clients that we that we work with. We work across a number of industries, but maritime sector is a big area of ours and um, it's a really exciting area of, to work in medical assistance because we could be dealing with patients in literally anywhere in the world, but um, particularly in, in sort of port locations. So we do get some very weird and wonderful countries where we have to, uh, you know, be, be called into. So one of the things I want to talk to you about in uh, a few minutes, Adam, is your approach to managing risk and your mindset around risk. Because I think you've got some really interesting insights on that. But I think it'd probably be useful as a backdrop to that. Can you share a little bit about the, the journey that led you to setting up MedRescue and how it, how it came about? Because there's a lot of risk management context in there, isn't there, knowing you as I do? Yeah, I mean that's that's often the second question when you try and explain to people, well, w- what do you do? And they say, well, how on earth did you end up doing that? And um, again, it's not a short story, I'm afraid, but I'll keep it I'll keep it brief for the uh, for the benefit of the listeners. I said my early career was in uh, adventure travel. I went to university down in Plymouth and studied business and uh, outdoor adventure education. I wasn't really sure. I was one of those people that didn't have a clear goal in life about what they wanted to do. I just wanted to have adventures like like many sort of uh, 20-year-olds. I was really into my uh, sort of being in the outdoors and um, I uh, came across this this company that, that you and I both know well, World Challenge. And that was the start of it all really uh, and an introduction to, to introduction to life as an expedition leader. I guess my exposure to leadership, it was quite a lot for a sort of 20, 21-year-old. I led my first international expedition at 22 years old, where it was basically, which seems highly irresponsible uh, now looking back. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at 22 years old, I was dropped into the um, Cambodian jungle with, uh, with a group of uh, 17-year-old A-level students. Was that Rally International or something, was it? No, that was World Challenge. Oh, was actually. it? Right. Yeah, it was. It was. I probably should have known that. It was probably me that recruited yeah. you. <laughs> probably you that signed off the, uh, the 22-year-old at the time. Yeah, let's move on from that responsible <laughs> bit, shall we? Yeah, that's, that's where my sort of passion for travel and it was, it was an amazing environment to learn leadership skills because – you really are, to a certain extent, on your own in the field and you have to make decisions. And, and, and that's been a big part of my learning process has been about how to make decisions. So I led expeditions for a number of companies, um, World Challenge being one. I worked for a, a few others and working I've worked with students, with, um, with grown-ups. I worked for a company called Trekforce for, for a good while, which was a more kind of adult focused more extreme jungle-based expeditions organizations and i was doing things like um, risk assessment remote logistics worked with tv crews documentary crews scientists and yeah it was it was all about looking after people it was it was it was a leadership role in one sense but it was a a, a risk assessment role a management role it was many many different things combined into one but on occasions, there were times when 
we did need outside support and we would need to call up either if I had a company that had an operations center like World Challenge did, then we would call on support from them or insurance companies if there was a medical emergency. And quite often I would be the one on the other end of the phone dealing with those medical assistance providers. And, you know, the more you do it, the longer you're in the field and, and working in these environments, the more you know, it's inevitable that these things come up and happen. And, and I had mixed experience with medical assistance companies over the years and then later on in my career working in the operations support role in different companies as well dealing with the medical emergencies from far again my experience of working alongside medical assistance providers was quite mixed and I think I always had that that kind of maybe looking back slightly arrogant feeling that you know it should be done better and we could do it better and how does all of that or how has all of that shaped how you approach and manage risk now I guess in your business and and day-to-day and I guess there's probably a conscious and unconscious element going on for you is I'm just wondering sort of how that manifests itself and some of the, the the lessons that enable you to be successful now and run the business that you do. It's interesting because I look back at university and I actually wrote a dissertation at university which was called something like uh, adventure education for the development of entrepreneurial potential the underpinning theory behind it was does exposure to risk give you a better tolerance to it and does that apply itself to uh, starting a new business or the risks associated with starting a small business right yeah yeah how has it shaped me as i said i think the biggest thing that i learned from being in the jungle looking after groups in, in sort of hostile environments is that you have to make decisions and, and actually making decisions is, not, is, is a skill. And the more you have to do it, hopefully the better you become at it. You also have to be very aware when you're in those kind of environments because there are many, many different factors, many different things, particularly in kind of jungle or mountain environments that are out there to kill you if you're not being considerate of, of, of the situation you're in. And that's definitely something that's. I don't. I'm sure you will. You will uh, empathise from your, your military background that you know when you go into sort of civilian life or into the business world, you're almost slightly. I'm slightly hyper aware sometimes of the scenarios and situations, and we sit there and think through everything to try and make sure that ultimately the decision that I make as a, as the leader is the right one. The other aspect that I think has been really important in, in my development is learning to be adaptable as a leader. Mm. leadership is about understanding your team of people that you are leading and when you are in a kind of an expedition environment you don't know who necessarily is going to be part of your team you don't necessarily get to choose that team and sometimes you get people from very different backgrounds very different reasons for being involved in that expedition and the first job for me was always to get to know those people understand why they're there what makes them tick and, and I think that carries through into the business environment in that the first thing is, is you know, I, I do when I employ somebody or um, work with somebody new is to try and understand them as a person. Mm. Going back to your decision-making and risk management, kind of when you're leading the expeditions, were there any particular, like, checklists or frameworks that you used to draw on? Or was it more just kind of you had that, risk mindset where you would think through the the fact i just wonder if there's any structure 
to to what you to how you manage risk. I think I think the phrase we used to use Ben was um, dynamic risk assessment, right? <laughs> Which was kind of the the phrase for a risk assessment that was done in your head to a certain extent. I think there are many models and structures and, and, and more sort of formal processes for assessing risk. Particularly in the business, there are people out there that, that make whole careers out of um, lecturing and risk assessment. For me, I think there's a danger that risk assessment becomes too complicated. I always try and, if I'm making a decision, or whether it be a, a small day-to-day decision or a, or a strategic decision, take it back to the simple factors, which is what's the worst-case scenario? It's, it's often one that I'm always thinking, what's the worst that can happen? What's the benefit of doing this? Do we need to do this? Is this what's, what's the reward? And if the reward is great, then, then what can we do to reduce the worst chances of the worst-case scenario? And often I think, am I prepared to accept the worst-case scenario is another thing, especially when dealing with medical situations and evacuations, things like through med rescue. It, it, it really is that simple. You know, I've seen many different ways of doing score sheets and graphs and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I think the danger with that is that it, people lose touch with what, the purpose, the original purpose of the risk assessment here. So for me, like on expeditions, I do that a lot. Just sit there and take time out to think. I think that's really, really important. And I know you've said that. I've listened to your podcast. Yeah, it's massively underrated, right? Just uh, and, and hard hard to do in a busy business, busy life. But you're dead right, that pausing, taking time to, to stop and stop and think. I've got a story about when I got it wrong, actually, that, that um, often comes back to me when assessing risk. So we were... We were um, I was in um, Papua New Guinea leading an expedition there. And I've been, I've been based there for about four or five months. And um, I was with a group, and, and our expedition goal was to, amongst other things, do some community work, but trek the, um, the Black Cat Track, which any sort of uh, people interested in um, World War II history will know it's, it was a, a battleground in the Second World War when the, the Japanese and the Australians fought out along remote mountainous jungle trails. So it's a, it's a quite a challenging track. And in my team, I had a group of people with varying abilities, all in their sort of early 20s, some very fit and strong, some less so. And, and as we were preparing to do the track, sort of in the day's builder, we'd been living in the jungle for, for uh, a few weeks. And we were getting sort of uh, information coming from, from further up the track when it was... Um, tribal conflict happening. It was all bitty information, but as a leader, I was trying to kind of piece together and make an assessment of the risks of, of continuing on the route we were going. And it was a really difficult decision because some people were absolutely set. This was their you know, absolute life goal to do this trek. And as things were, ultimately, I made the decision to, to cancel the trek. If you like, you know, that was a difficult decision. There was a lot of people not very happy with that, that decision. As it was the day before we were due to go, things really kicked off, and then we had casualties start to come down through the track and, and coming through. You know, so it, it became very, very visually apparent to the team that we made the right call. It was a stressful time as a leader because it was constant decisions trying to work out what was best for the team. We had bad weather, and we got cut off by a river that was in flood, so we had to build rafts to be able to get out to a sort of safe area on the coast. And after a day or two, we, we evacuated and I decided right what the team needs now is a, is a bit of time to reflect on the decisions that I made as a leader and the reasons why. So we picked up a local banana boat and went to this little village, middle of nowhere, absolute paradise, white sandy beaches. It's like a movie scene. Really. And we were all chilling out on the beach and the guys were swimming in the crystal clear, shallow, calm 
waters and I was sat on the beach and the sun was going down. It was absolutely paradise. And I was reflecting on the decisions, whether I'd made the right decisions. And as I sat on the beach, the sun was going down and the local children, everybody was out, you know, apart from our two members of our team, which is water. And as I started to get that, I was chatting to one of the locals and they said, your guys are very brave. And I said, oh, you know, we, we just had to make the decision to, oh, no, no, that's not why we think we're brave. There's a very big crocodile that lives around here that hunts in the evening. And, uh, and, oh, and my God. They're going the water after dark. <laughs> and it was that moment where I sort of calmly went, okay, um, right. Yeah, maybe, guys, we should cut the swimming. And, and, uh, and that from the lesson that I took from that was, you know, when you're making lots of decisions, it's it's when you get back and you become complacent and you let things become kind of that you'll make the mistake and you risk. And I think that's something that's common in business as well. You know, when you're when you're focused, when you're alert, and when you're you know assessing risk, generally you're in a good good place. But that time when you just chill, you know, take back. So um, just to round the story off, I, I, I I'm sure you would tell me otherwise. I assume everybody got out of the water fine, right? Everybody got out of the water fine. Yeah, I think my um, my expedition leading career might have been cut a little bit short if it, if that wasn't the case. I don't think I ever reported that one back, but uh, you know, and, and I think again, the lesson is that to become a, a better leader, you've got to make mistakes and you've got to learn from them. And, and the key is learning from them, reflecting on them. I look back at you know, as I say, when I was twenty-two, and I think at the time I thought I knew everything, and I thought I was I had a lot of confidence, probably a lot more confidence than I actually do now. Mm. And that was not necessarily a bad thing because I think confidence does carry you to a certain, you know, it certainly inspires confidence in you. I'm curious, Adam, because I I know from working in the expedition industry for a short period of time myself and time in the military, but certainly in the expedition industry, that process of review, reflection, debriefs is is very much built into it, isn't it? Especially if it's sort of developmental expeditions for for young, young people. Is that something that you continue to do sort of with any sort of structure now? And do you have any yeah, structure and process for pausing to reflect, so we can so you can learn these lessons. Or does it just sort of happen very subconsciously when you're out walking the dog or standing in the shower? Kind of your mind wanders, and and that's how you sort of reflect and learn these lessons. What what does that look like for you? I think the thing that I try and do is so at Med Rescue. I've got a, I've got a fantastic um, business partner called Stuart, and. Um, We've got a really good way of making decisions. We, we, we bounce off each other. And what we always try and do is when we have our board meetings, we don't do them sat in an office, um, you know, sat in somewhere stuffy. We we'll often try and go somewhere, go somewhere, do something. When we came up with the plan for um, Med Rescue and we came up with the, kind of the foundations for the business, which was, you know, what do we want to build? What do we want to achieve? What kind of business do we, do we want? We actually just went took the tent, went for a hike, went camping. Very cool. Uh, and and we just sat because it took away all the distractions. Yeah. You know, if you're sat in a boardroom, you know, you've got mobile phones everywhere. You've got people who want to see I think sometimes that reflective time, which is really important, try and get away from all the distractions. You know, take your team to somewhere. And certainly, in some of the last sort of senior leadership roles, I did, I always tried to take the team away from that office environment to somewhere different so you can get people to think a bit differently yeah that's quite a nice leading adam to where where i wanted to go next with you as well like 
What would you say have been some of the biggest challenges when you've gone from being a senior leader in a business to owning, leading, co-owning, co-leading a business? The first thing is, if you decide to make that transition into starting um, your own business from scratch, there's, there's really nowhere to hide. And you, you know, when you're working in a big organisation, you know very well that, that a lot of your energy is spent managing up as well as managing down. You know, yeah. and you, you've got you, you're managing your team, but you're also managing the expectations of the of the board, of the shareholders, and, and the people above you. Whereas the really great thing about um, you know moving into sort of a, a business startup is that you, you may have shareholders, but it's probably going to be you. Um, so you've really got yourself drive to. So it really makes you be very honest with yourself. You can't blag it. I think is is the thing that sort of struck me. And if it doesn't work, you haven't really got many other people to, to blame. So so there's that element to it. I think the other thing is you're back at the at the coalface to a certain extent. Again, depending on your your situation and you know, how much financial backing or whatever you have. But but for me it was a case of going back to doing everything myself from you know I suddenly became um, at, at the outset, you know, head of marketing, head of IT, you know, head of HR, you know, all these different things, which is head of shit jobs, head of shit jobs, head of making tea. But I think it's a really good process to go back to, go back to the basics and, and learn all that again because it makes you really understand your business and the workings of it. It's hard doing that, but it's also very rewarding. Yeah, and what's been the biggest challenge for you setting up Med Rescue? Like personally, like from a leadership perspective? I think recruitment is the biggest challenge because when a business is yours and your baby, trusting people to join your team and, and represent what you believe in is, is really hard to find the right people. And, and, and for me, there was certainly a fear, and to a certain extent still is, a fear of bringing the wrong people into the company. So, so yeah, I, I'd say that's definitely been the, the hardest thing is finding and building the team. And what's been the highlight? I think hitting goals and targets. I think the, for me, going right, the first job was a big highlight. There's been many goals throughout. I mean, we've been going since 2018 now. But the first case that came across the desk was like, wow, we can actually, you know, we've done, we've put in all this foundation. We've put, we've put in months and months and months of preparation, planning, and, and now we're actually doing what we set out to do. And that was a huge boost to us. Financial milestones are, are, are great. That's nice to see that the business is growing. Our first employee was another big, big milestone. So yeah, there's been loads of really rewarding markers. When you said about your first job, there immediately reminded me of uh, remember the scene from the original Ghostbusters. Certain listeners will remember the original, <laughs> where they're in their old fire station and the yeah. the the older lady who's on the reception sort of man in the phones gets the call and she screams out through the uh, station. We got one. It reminds me of, I can imagine you guys a bit like that. Not quite as dramatic, but I like, yeah, it was, it was like that. The phone rang or the email popped in. I think it was. And we were like, yeah, we've got a job. We're going, we're a real company now. And I think those early days of starting the business are incredible. And um, we're now in a different phase of the businesses with new rewards and challenges, but I'd yeah. love to look back at that. To what degree do you sort of feel stress and pressure, Adam, kind of owning, leading a business? And how do you notice and manage that? Yeah, I'd be lying and saying if I didn't feel stress and pressure, and I think there'd probably be something wrong if I, if I didn't. Stress and pressure are, are 
part of the package. Managing that is having um, a, a really great business partner to support. I think that's been invaluable to us. And um, you know, if anybody's thinking of starting a company, you may want to do it on your own. But think about what what skills you've got. And if you if you don't have the full skill, maybe you know, is there somebody that can, can join you on the way? Because that's been really rewarding for me. When I'm feeling stressed or pressure, he will try and take some of that workload away and, and reciprocal as well. So if I'm really stressed, he'll try. So that's that's been, um, been really important. I think, again, going back to taking time out to reflect, I think sometimes you can get too buried in what you're doing and you just need to go, I'm just going to take a little bit of time out to go away, sort my head. Or, or, or a little thing that I sometimes do if I'm feeling like the, the pressure or the stress of it's getting too much is just takes time out and tidy my desk and tidy my office. I find that quite therapeutic. And, and even just the act of sitting down at a tidy desk again sometimes makes me go, okay, I'm back in control now. I've got this. And, um, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting here, well, standing here smiling because that's very much me. I, I know that is actually one of my default stress responses. So I actually want to start t- tidy. And that's also a warning sign for me when, when I go, oh, actually, something's out of balance here. If, if I'm obsessively tidying, I know I'm feeling the stress or, or, or pressure somewhere. I know why I do it. It's because it's, it's a sense of completion. I can tidy my desk and it's messy at the start and tidy at the end. I can see progress. I get a little hit of dopamine and I, and I feel feel better. Yeah. It also drives my wife crazy because she knows when I'm stressed because she puts stuff down in the house and I immediately tidy it away and she can't find anything. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, uh, yeah, my wife will probably tell you a similar story. I think for me, the self-checking process that I go through is is am I stressed all of the time? I think if I'm stressed for weeks on end, then there's a fundamental something fundamental needs to be changed or I need to make a change. I think stress in short term is normal, you know, with, with what we do, I was just as I was talking to you off air about sometimes we get very challenging cases through to Medrose Q and the whole team's working on it and no matter what we do another problem seems to pop up and um, I think that's what we do as a team very well is deal with these kind of situations but it does make you feel stressed but it's a period of time and there's a reason for that stress um, yeah yeah it's really interesting that you that you mentioned that Adam isn't it because actually having kind of studied stress from a neuroscience perspective year before last I found it interesting that we just u- universally use this word stress and we associate it with with bad stress but not all stress is, is bad because I, you, you'll know this i'm sure from your expedition stuff there's you stress eu and then stress which is actually really 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 helpful it's that little bit of pressure we need that enables us to put to, to perform and then we can tip into distress which is made up of of tolerable stress so actually if it's for a short period of time if we think we've got the people and resources around us to help us we can we can cope with that it's it's not too detrimental in the short term but then if that continues for a protracted period period of time and we don't feel we've got the resources or people around us we haven't got a great business partner like you have then that tips into toxic stress which is like physiologically really bad for us despite being bad for us from a sort of mental health perspective as well so yeah a little bit of stress is a is a good thing definitely and i think there's equal danger if if you become too laid back and too complacent in the business environment things start to inevitably slide standards start to slip you know sometimes you can be a victim of it and and, and again i've been guilty of this 
and you know we've had a, if we've had a really good year so financially we, actually, we can just kick back and chill that's inevitably when things start to slip a little bit back to your exhibition analogy right you're kicking back and chilling on the beach and the crocodile gets here what a wonderful analogy exactly exactly yeah so i think i think a little bit of fear and there's nothing like putting your house on the line and starting a business <laughs> to give you that fear and motivation to do well it's it's when you've done that bit and you've got past that and you're kind of financially secure as a business then you've got to go right okay what's going to motivate me now what's my yeah. next goal where am i going to take the business to next and i think to be honest with you, that's probably where medworks is at the moment we've, we've achieved so much that we wanted to achieve and we're now looking to the future what's our next goal to keep us on our toes and to keep us motivated and to keep us keep us hungry as well yeah Adam, I've got a few quick-fire questions to start to, to bring things to a close. And actually, the, the first one might not be that quick-fire, but what, is, what does leadership mean to you? Again, I think leadership to me is, is going back. It's about, you know, I've, I've heard so many definitions of leadership about motivating people to a common goal and, you know, achieving common goals and things like this. I think leadership is being able to adapt to what is required because there are many different scenarios and different types of leaders needed and I think a great leader can adapt their style adapt their approach um, to to the job at hand and balance the needs of the balance the goals that you have with the needs of your team I think when people trust that you will put their needs before those of your own then they will trust you as a leader and that really resonates with me. I think building that trust by balancing their needs of your team with your ultimate goal. And, and that's a really tricky one. And that balance will be different. If you're in the military and you've got a mission that has to be achieved at all costs, then obviously that will take precedent over the needs of the team. Yeah. But in a business environment, it's a lot more complicated and there's no good going being absolutely all out. We've got to achieve these targets sales targets or whatever if it means that your team become so demotivated and, and, and end up ultimately leaving and pushing back even further so it's a, I think for me leadership is a balancing act yeah very cool and what do you think are three key traits that leaders need I, I'm going to quote a core values of med rescue I think which is yeah, nice passion knowledge and integrity and I think they're really three really key elements I think a passionate or, or enthusiastic leader is key. I think I've definitely had managers and leaders above me. I've thought just, just the heart's not in it and yeah. um, they're, they're, they're often not very effective. So, so passion or, or motivation is key. Knowledge, I think knowing what you're talking about is, is important. Um, I think you can, you can sometimes get away without all of the knowledge, um, perhaps as I did as a 22-year-old. But ultimately, if you're leading without the knowledge, you're going to get found out. And uh, I think integrity speaks for itself. I think, again, it goes back to that trust. And one book that's had a really significant impact upon you? A book called The Lost City of Zed, uh, which is a biography of a guy called Percy Fawcett. It was an old school explorer from um, back in the 1920s that that charted a lot of the the Amazon. There's a Hollywood movie about it, I think, but I would um, highly recommend people read the book and and read themselves because it's proper old school leadership probably not a great um, book in terms of uh, learning leadership. It was very much a, a, a selfish, single-minded, and very focused yeah. chap. But I think uh, I would have loved to have lived in that era where there were big blank patches on the map. Yeah, very cool. And last question, Adam. 
other than your mobile phone, I always have to put that caveat in. So other than your mobile phone, what is one item that if it was lost, stolen, broken, you would have to immediately go out and replace? I think it kind of links well with the whole reflective thing that we were talking about earlier, but I love my fire pit. Uh-huh. You know, we use that a lot. And in a world where it's so easy to switch on the telly and watch another Netflix box set, sing and sing in the garden and light on a fire, um, it's a lot more useful. Yeah, it's quite mesmerising, isn't it? Just staring at the flickering flames. Absolutely. Let the mind wander. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been a fascinating conversation and hearing some of your stories from the expedition world and how they carry over into into the business world. So thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And all the best with whatever goals you set for Med Rescue going going forwards. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, then please do connect with me and let me know what you thought on LinkedIn. I'm on there as Ben Morton Leadership. Other than that, that is it for this week's episode. I will talk to you again very soon. And until then, lead on. Lead on.